Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Oh, Seattle, hello, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. Gobble, 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 we are here in November. Happy November, everybody. Um, Thanks for joining me every Saturday night, 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock, right here in 570 KVI. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, Vance Smollier, your weekend wine guy and your commodore of cocktails. Uh, Samurai of Spirits, or what do I call it? The Wizard of Whiskey. How's that? That's pretty good. I make up names, and I have a good time, and we, we play games here on Happy Hour Radio. i got some great guests today. I've got Kristen Rosenbaugh and Alana McGee, who are... Um, leading the International Truffle Expo taking place in Woodenville, Washington, November 18th to the 20th. Uh, it's going to be at Columbia Winery, I believe, and it's, um, it's going to be fantastic. I love truffles, and tis the season for truffles. Kristen and Alana, um, they apparently train dogs. They, it's kind of a service industry thing, all right? You've got service dogs, we have truffle dogs, and they're both very <laughs> valuable. Um, without truffle dogs, we would have a lot less truffles and a lot less interesting lives to lead, and I'm excited to have them on the show. But uh, I also have um, a long time, a very highly respected and vaunted veteran of the industry here in the Pacific Northwest, Brad Miller, who is the Director of Spirits, um, I'm going to say Director of Spirits and Hospitality up there at Daniel's uh, Broiler in Bellevue. Thank and you. Um, uh, Brad Miller, welcome to Happy Hour. Well, thank you for having me. Um, it's it. a pleasure. I know that uh, just a few weeks ago you had an amazing event, which uh, I am so disappointed to have missed. It was the... Single Malt Saturday. Single Malt Saturday. Our first, in, uh, first annual, and soon to come the second annual. I know. See, that's what happens when you do a show on Saturday night. You miss these things. That's right. <laughs> well, uh, I'm sure it was a blast because what it said on paper was fantastic. You had some unmatched singular malt experiences available. Tell me some of the whiskeys you had available there. We had close to 100 whiskeys available, and uh, we had two sets. We had General Mission, which had close to 80 to taste. Uh, there was Japanese, there was American, and then we had our single malts from uh, Scotland. And then we had our VIP room, which uh, tasted a lot of single malt scotches that we kind of hidden away in the in the back annals of the restaurant and then we brought them out and uh, their last tasting was the mccallan 25 so fun um if we want to find an event uh, at daniel's broiler where do we go we go to the uh, schwartzbrothers.com on the advanced page okay and uh i know that you've done a bourbon event prior to that and obviously the single malt saturday and you've got something else coming up we've got cognac celebration which will be later on in november which will be a dinner event that we have down at the lake union all right. Well, I'm glad you spread it out. It's great to have locations all around, well, several locations in Puget Sound, so you can find a, a local watering hole, if you will, and enjoy yourself immensely. Uh, obviously known for steaks, world-class steakhouse, as I listened to Brock Heward on our, our friendly <laughs> sister station. Kind of sister station over there, not really. Okay, it's Cairo. So um, anyway, um, Brad Miller, happy to have you. You are a longtime Seattle veteran in the food industry, kind of like me, um, but you've worked at a couple places I'd never have. Give a little breakdown of where you've been in this uh, cooler world. Well, it started out, I was born in, here in Seattle and uh, started out the Space Needle when I was 15, uh, kind of working uh, for the union back then, worked there for about 10 years. Uh, moved on to the hotel business and then uh, as uh, I parted that, went into Sea Galley, which was a local grown company here in the Northwest, uh, opened some restaurants down the, the West Coast for them and came back up, was with them for a number of years and then moved off to an organization called Tony Roma's. Ah. And Chevy's Fresh Mex. Um 
and then recently ended up <laughs> with Daniel's Schwartz Brothers Restaurants and became their spirits director after and I've been with them 10 years now. So what do you do as a spirits director? I'm in charge of six bars in three different concepts of restaurants. Oh, so, so you're the Schwartz Brothers director, spirits, spirits director. Correct. Ah, got it. My, my home base store is Bellevue, but uh, I do all five menus, including one for Prime 21, which is our bar within a bar in Bellevue, which is a little bit more vintage cocktail style. I get to be a little bit more creative and come up with some different syrups and sauces and create bitters that we use. Mm-hmm. But we'll do the, I will write the menus for Chandler's and I'll write the menus for our location in Redmond called Spazzo. Ah, uh, yes, Spazzo. I love that place. In fact, I, I, you know, Daniel's and Schwartz Brothers, I worked at uh, um, Cutter's mm-hmm. and I worked at Chandler's. And so that's all part of the Schwartz Brothers empire, right? Cutter's is Oh, not. Cutter's was RUI. Right. Yes, I worked at uh, Chandler's and that was the Schwartz Brothers. That's right. Yeah, um... And a lot of pride in that that company. There is, there is. That's what comes from, from family owned because you the people are are totally invested. It's not just a job; it's a it's a livelihood. It is. Every everybody that works for the company puts the guests first in everything everything that we do. Yeah, I know I did. That's for sure. <laughs> that and the crab crab games. <laughs> um, you have one of my my dear friends, uh, Victoria Antia, who is the director of wine Correct. for Schwartz Brothers. Yep, she uh, works out of our Leshley location, and again, she's the general manager of that store and also the wine director, wow, so she's so got a dual role also. I love this. So you get a penthouse suite at the Lincoln Tower, so you can just drop off next door to the, the Bellevue location, and she gets this waterfront penthouse on Lake Washington to go work at Leshley. It's the right? best of both worlds. Yes, wow. What what? This is great uh, executive <laughs> compensation. I love it. Speaking with Brad Miller, who's a longtime veteran here in the... Uh, Currently the director of spirits um, for Schwartz Brothers Restaurants, which is really a miniature empire, um, but the best part is that they got fantastic food and great happy hours. Excellent happy hours. They really do. Yep. Happy hours, and it, you know what's funny about happy hours? It was really the small plate concept before small plates became sexy. And obviously happy hours comes from tapas, right? From Spain. Correct. About small plates, right. and then it's like, all right, food and drink, and how do you get in before dinner, and how do you make a couple extra bucks when you get all the staff there? Um, I do love your happy hour. What is the best happy hour? Is it, is it three to five or four to six? It is uh, four to six thirty. All right. I love that. Yeah. Happy two hours and a half. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Um, so you have this Cognac event coming down to Les Shy. Um, and tickets typically run about $125 or so. About $100. Yeah, 100 yeah. bucks, maybe a little plus plus with the, yep. the city gets their cut, and then you this, take, we gotta take care of the service staff. Take too. care of the service staff. Excellent. Um, what's your idea of, uh, obviously, you have to have a, a balance, because being in Washington State, we have a craft distillery movement, right? We've got 80 distilleries now in the state. Right. Um, of course, you've got the, the old guard of our of the whiskeys that we admire around the world, whether the Knob Creeks or the Woodfords and then the, the Glen Livets and the McAllen. So you have to have that. How do you find the balance? Because there are literally thousands and thousands of spirits out there. Where do you draw the line? It's what the guest wants. If the guest is asking for it, we'll bring it in. You know, if they want it, I'll sell it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's uh, that guest for its attitude. Right. I mean, it, it's them asking for the product. If if there's If they're not asking for the product, I don't want to have it. All right. I've well, got, you know, it's like a grocery yeah. store. We have valuable space on that shelf. Because we don't want to count that bottle month after month doing inventory. I, and go, I, wow. hate, I hate dusting bottles. Still point nine. 
Yep. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, you brought three drams of uh, three wee drams in this beautiful glass. Um, this glass looks like the top of the old candle, the old votive candles, or the uh, gas lamps. Were, Correct. What do we call those? Help they me were the gra- uh, gas street lamps. Yes. Yep. I they have got, one in my front yard. In they fact. got the long sort of chimney. It's fluted, and it ends up a little more conical at the top. Um, but this is called called a Glencairn glass, right? right. Glencairn nosing glass. And this is the, the classic uh, receptacle for all great whiskeys where it captures aroma. The base allows you to, to uh, appreciate the colors and the hues. And, of course, the, the, longer stem, or the longer bowl here sort of focuses all the aromas right into your nose. There's a special way to smell spirits, right? Because you don't want to stick your nose to something and just go, right. that's something else. Right. You want to have your lips parted just a little bit and breathe through your mouth and your nose. Because uh, your nose is going to pick up different things than your tongue will. And your tongue will take and impart those sweetness notes and the sour notes off of it. So you do it both at the same time. Yes. And as yeah. much as we say smell is taste, the tongue is tactile, right? Because right. you just said sweet, sour, salty, umami, and bitter. Right. I think you said that, something like that. <laughs> All uh, right. Um, you added the extra ones. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm a wine guy and a spirits guy. I'm a, a wizard of whiskey. Um, all right, so which which brown spirits did you bring today? I brought two uh, bourbons. One of them is a longtime bourbon from Knob Creek, but this is an expression that they just did and released this past year, and it's called 2001. Uh, Knob Creek is normally a nine-year-old bourbon. This one is 15 years old. Really? And one of the things that uh, Booker No, uh, before he passed, laid down some barrels. His son Fred No, who before was, he laid down, before he laid down. <laughs> It set a set aside, and his son Fred No pulled them out uh, before his retirement. And wanted to go so, do something for his dad, so they did this release at 15 years. I've met proof. Fred No, and he was—he's a really fun guy. He's got the the beautiful little uh, down home shtick, and right. um, but he knows how to taste and to follow that whole uh, genealogy, the lineage of of great distillers, and distillery. Just being a distiller in Kentucky, there's a little bit of. Backyard or was it a city? Um, backwoods feel, right? Right, there is, and that's yep. important because that's part of the character. Right, it's unbelievable that most of the major distillers down there are all friends or family related in one way or another. <laughs> Usually, that's only in Oklahoma. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> West Virginia. Oh, I'm kidding. We love the Sooners. Um, so, which is this the first spirit you were talking about? The 2001. What's the first one? Uh, this one here. Yeah, I believe that's okay. it. Okay. Perfect. Well, let's um, taste it. Uh, we're going con- to cont- nose it. We're going to nose it, and then we're going to give it a Kentucky Chew, oh. as Booker No would put it. All right. Well, I want to see a Kentucky Chew. Chunky. No. Mm. Wow. That's bourbon. Wow. That's 2001? That's 15-year-old bourbon? That's 15-year-old bourbon. All right. Well, you're a definite, you're an automatic guest. I'm <laughs> 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 on the show, Brad Miller. Um, that's delicious. And uh, this, obviously, with the angel share taking about 2% a year, right, it adds up. So it you're listening or three and a half, depending on who's got the thief, I guess. Right. This bottle, uh, in fact, all the bottles are numbered out of the batches. They did batch one, two, and three. Three will be out next year. Two is a little bit lighter. All right. Three will be a mixture of the two. Interesting. So this is the first one that came out, on, and this bottle was number 94 out of the first batch. Wow. So that came out of the first barrel they opened. Mm. A beautifully balanced spirit. Um, it's, it's, it's lithe. It's, it has generous generosity to it. It's got 
um, a very lush mouthfeel, but it's also delicate. It's very smooth. It's, it's got the warm water taste, I say, because right. warm water goes easier than cold water. Right. It, it It's smooth. It, it, at 100 proof, it is a very smooth whiskey. Complete mouthfeel. That's 100 proof? Yeah. All right. Wow. All right, so this is available in the happy hour menu for <laughs> maybe not. It's featured back in our Prime Lounge. Okay, Prime Lounge. Um, I love that. Again, it's called uh, Knob this Creek Knob- 2001. Correct. First edition, and then mm. second edition, I think, comes out this year, too. Mm. Okay, well, that's a great starter, but to see if you can top it. What do you got next? All right, this is uh, Blood and Oath. Blood and Oath. And it's a whiskey, uh, it's a combination of three whiskeys done by the Luxo Group, and they're culinary scientist put this together and it's a, a bourbon whiskey uh, done in new oak uh, secondary oak and then it's done in ported wood so he oh. blended those three together now Luxo is a pearl vodka company out of Canada Northern right. yeah Canada right I believe so yeah so this is a combination of all three mmm definitely a much more expressive uh, aroma a lot, yeah a lot more floral notes to it I like it it just mmm Obviously, you get some some new, some of the newer wood note here because uh, a barrel in fifteen years is going to lose some of that, like the previous uh, spirit. But this one, this isn't aged as long, is it? But let me taste no. it. There is no age statement on this bottle. Mm. Spicier, a little more fire, and more um, fire. I think that that wood influence gives you the vanilla, but it also gives you some some bite. Yep, a little bit of spicy note on it. Now that's uh, to me the first one. Two thousand one is definitely a sipping whiskey. Don't add anything to it, right? Except um, you know, add your lips to the glass. Uh, but this one is really um, textural, and, and and it's a little warm. So yeah, you're gonna you're gonna take it down a little bit with some water or an ice cube. Yeah, um, and I think it's it tastes like it's got a different. Is this all just corn? Is there some rye in here? Because it's got spice in it. Is it f- that's gonna come a little bit. It's gonna come from the port barrels that they use. Oh, that's right. Yes. Um, port pipes. Uh, so basically for whiskey, obviously American whiskey bourbon is made from American oak, but we can secondary and finish it and still call it bourbon because it has to be bourbon for one year in new charred oak. Two years in a new two, charred oak. Uh, yes, two years um, for straight bourbon whiskey. Correct. Yes. And this, uh, obviously finishing it with port adds a little bit of complexity and sweetness. Correct. What's the, the third whiskey? Third one is actually a scotch. Okay. This perfect. This is a single malt scotch that's fairly new from Glenfiddich. Awesome. Well, hold on to that thought. I'm going to let this beautiful uh, blood and oath whiskey linger on my palate. As we take a break here on Happy Hour Radio, we're going to come back with Brad Miller, Director of Spirits for Schwartz Brothers Restaurant. And coming up on the show is International Truffle Expo coordinators Kristen Rosenbaugh and Alan McGee. Stick around, folks. Be right back on Happy Hour Radio. A Northwest original, Lars Larson, live weekdays, noon to three. Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. That's right, getting happy on Saturday night. Hope you're having a good time out there. And uh, welcome to segment two, round two, if you will, 
Uh, and around around three in a bit, I'm on my third glass of uh, a fantastic whiskey, which is uh, courtesy of my pal Brad Miller, who's the director of Spirits for Schwartz Brothers Restaurant, based out of the Bellevue store of Daniel's. Bellevue location. they got a great happy hour, and they do some fat, fantastic events all around um, wine and spirits, which is, of course, food. <laughs> um, we just had our first whiskey today was the 2001 Knob Creek um, 15-year-old bourbon. The second whisk was called Blood and Oath. It was uh, a mixture of three casks. You had new woods, seasoned wood, and port cask, or port pipe, if they will. Um, both lovely, both definitively differently expressive. Um, the first one, incredibly smooth and just very coaxing and alluring. second one's got a little fire, a little bite, and a little spice, which is great. Now we're on to scotch. What makes scotch? Scotch is a three-year-old product made in Scotland, and they're using barley more than they are uh, our corn. Our, our bourbon whiskeys have to be at least 51% corn. Most of them use 60% or so. But in Scotland, they're using a malted barley, which is local to them. So that's going to give a whole different flavor profile. And then the, there's six, five, six different regions, depending on who you talk to in right. Scotland. And each region will support a different flavor profile on their whiskeys. All right. So we have the islands. We have the Highlands, we have the Lowlands, we have Campbelltown, and we have, is Isla by itself? Isla's a, a whole category on its own. Okay, and... Uh, your Talisker, your Laphroaigs. Right, and so the, yeah, that's uh, well, the other islands. The Hebrides? Well, they... What's six? Speyside. Oh, yeah, Speyside. That's part of the Highlands, but it is Speyside. That's why they, people use it. Right. Um, interesting because when we say malted, malted marley, wait, malted, malted barley. Oh, bald, uh, yeah. Well, Run number three here. That's right. <laughs> malted barley, um, that's where you actually take the grain, you wet it, you malt it, meaning you're going to tr- uh, sprout it, basically, right. and then you dry it. Now, there's different methods of drying it, and that really has uh, uh, quite an um, influence on the flavor of this the whiskey, right? Right. That The uh, the Islay counties, or regions of the... Uh, uh, Scotland will take it and use peat, so they'll they'll take that malted barley and throw it out on a, a large floor and put a fire underneath it of this peat. That smoke imparts all that flavor into that malted barley before it's distilled. Yeah, it's it's thick and oily like coal, or it's it's very very um, prehistoric kind of soil right. that that has a lot of carbon in there and can burn very slowly and at a moderate temperature with lots of smoke, which permeates the the malted barley. Right. So that dries it, so you can then change the starches into sugars, which are then fermentable, which make alcohol, which makes everybody happy, right? Right. Some people say. Um, so this is a very interesting scotch. I'm smelling it. And uh, off air, I told you, I can guess this, because it smells to me like Talisker. It had a little more something going on, because I wasn't going to go to the Highlands, because it just had a lot more flavor than typical Highland scotches. Um, obviously, it wasn't Ilex. It didn't have the peat note, but it had just this extra spice. Like, oh, it's got to be something different like Talisker, because everything on the main part of Scotland is typically lighter. Obviously, the wood barrels will change it, but the islands get to be more expressive. Let's talk about this one. Well, this one I brought in because we had already been on the bourbons. And I didn't want to really ruin our, our, our tongues you know, the way we were going. That's right. We're not going Canadian, folks. So this is Glenfiddich 14-year double bourbon barrel. So instead of using old casks of port or sherry, which a lot of the uh, Scotch distilleries use, they used ex-used bourbon barrels once they had distilled the product. They put it in there first. That rested for a number of year, 14 years. They took it out and they put it in a new charred oak barrel from America, actually Louisville, and that set in a new barrel. So that added the vanilla notes to it, 
again. So this is kind of their introduction between scotch and bourbon. It's to get that bourbon drinker to start drinking scotch. Ah, uh, I saw that in some of the trade magazines, which I get and I always review. Um, like uh, I saw what Oak Heart Bacardi Rum. <laughs> okay, uh, apparently the world likes um, bourbon, but uh, we, don't we have to save some of these trees? <laughs> well, they're pretty much sustainable. They're growing their own forests as they're taking them down. A lot of the, the cooperages do Thank that. Thank goodness. And that's yep. why they don't use uh, trees uh, for fuel for, for uh, drying the malted barley in Isla because they cut them down a lot. There, there's no trees back there. <laughs> and they wish they had some left. Well, um, this has got a very expressive nose. Obviously, you do get the vanilla and uh, a little bit of the um, toffee or, or chard note. Um, it seems a very moderate alcohol. Is this 86 proof or 82 or something? Right. It's about an 86. Yeah. And it, it's it. very light in flavors, very sweet notes, but it's very, very light compared to our bourbon whiskeys. It's a scotch. Yes, it is a scotch because it finishes like a scotch. It's got a little more spice, and um, obviously this is uh, distilled three times, so you uh, get to, whereas Irish whiskey is only distilled twice. Correct. Yeah. How about that? I love this. Every, everybody's got a little secret to their <laughs> distilling processes. <laughs> so fun. So these are all available at all locations of Daniel's? Yes. All right. Um, the uh, 2001, which I, I want to cue the music, Kevin, 2001, a Whiskey Odyssey. How about that? There is you that go. what it is? Or Bourbon Odyssey. Um, and then the Blood Noth, fun name. Who makes that again? Luxo Company. Luxo, right, out of Canada. And then finally, the uh, Glenfiddich 14-year Double Bourbon Barrel. Correct. All right. This is fantastic. What a pleasure to meet you. You have some great events coming up. Tell us about the Cognac Dinner again. Cognac Dinner is going to come up later on in November. And I have forgotten the date, or I'd tell you the exact date, but it's later on in it's November. It's probably a Friday or Saturday? Thursday, it, Friday, or no, Saturday? No, actually, it's going to be a Tuesday or Wednesday. Oh. We try to do things in the middle of the week okay. when people aren't busy. That's right. Makes sense. And, uh, uh, it'll be a beautiful dinner. We'll have some great uh, cognacs at the dinner. Uh, they're always paired with what Chef Ihan Borales can do down there. Does a beautiful job with the food. So it's going to be a great night. Leshai Daniels Broiler. Wow. This will be at Lake Union. I'm sorry, Lake Union. Yep. Oh, yep. okay. We'll be down on the Cognac waterfront. dinner. Cognac dinner is going to be down at Lake Union. Got it. All right. That's a great spot. Um, Brad Miller, director of spirits for Schwartz Brothers Restaurant. Thanks so much for joining me. I Happy appreciate you Radio. having me on. Uh, my pleasure. And uh, you're welcome anytime when you bring this good stuff. We love it. That's what we do on Happy Hour Radio. Share this with the listeners. And uh, coming up next right now, I've got Kristen Rosenbaugh and Alana McGee of the International Truffle Expo. Kristen and Alana, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks so much. Well, how fun is this? So you are the truffle experts in the Pacific Northwest. You have a company called? Truffle Dog Company. Truffle Dog Company. So you train dogs to hunt truffles. Yes, we do. And that's the longstanding method for people to find truffles around the world. That's like, correct. Um, so let's talk about what in the world is a truffle? So a truffle is not that fabulous little chocolate thing that you'll buy at you know the corner corner store. <laughs> Just as expensive sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and equally delicious. Yeah. But um, so truffles are it, they're mushrooms basically. So they're mushrooms that grow underground. We equate it to like the apple on an apple tree. It just is a fungus that grows underground, and we use the dogs to find them. And we use them then in um, uh, culinary settings. People cook with them. Um, they have these fabulous aromas, and they're all really different. So there's hundreds of kinds of truffles. Hundreds of kinds, just yeah. like mushrooms then. Yeah, So exactly. it's part of the fungi family? It is, yeah. And they grow underground. 
what's the history of the truffle? Who found it? And you know, is there some mm. guy? Was it Mr. Truffle? So, <laughs> <laughs> or Mrs. Truffle? I don't know. Hunter and gatherers, right? Yeah. Well, so I mean, there's a lot of evidence of. I mean, they were using them in Roman times, but some truffles actually have medicinal value too. So there is actually something called a desert truffle that. Um, people in um, the Middle Eastern areas would use as like an, an eye poultice to cure blindness during sandstorms. So there's all these mm. medicinal things and the Romans would eat them um, and they were really highly prized and valued for that. Um, and then truffles as we know them really kind of got into the, the social and um, mindset of, of the populace during the late 1800s when phylloxera came in and knocked out all of the, the vineyards yeah, in France and Spain everything. and Italy. And, uh, and so what happened is all the truffles were like all on the outsides of all the vineyards at that time. And so when all the grapevines died away, the truffle oaks and truffle hazelnuts that the, that the truffles grow on moved into those areas. And so it became a really thriving culture wow. um, in, in France. They, do they call it an orchard? Do they call it a field? They call <laughs> yeah. Um, some debate towards that, but um, we term we commonly use orchard, but also truffier, um, French word. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You'll find that actually a bunch in white burgundy. Uh, there's a certain plot called les truffiers. Yes. Yeah. They're, um, you know, most of the truffles actually that you get from Europe are actually now farmed in that sense and grown on truffiers. They're not harvested wild. Interesting. Well, I'm sure all my listeners want to know, are there any, there's medicinal truffles, how about magic truffles? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's, not, that's not what the dogs are finding. They're not? <laughs> no. How about a kitty cat, like uh, the Cheshire cat can <laughs> yeah, find right? the, the magic truffles? Yeah. Diff- different. Different one. All right. I know because I got the, some mushrooms that can cast some spells on yeah, people. Yeah. Are there any poisonous truffles? So the ones that we train the dogs to find, uh, no. I mean, there are button stages of mushrooms that kind of resemble truffles that grow underground. And so you want to be really know what you're doing, like you would with any mushroom you're getting from the wild. Sure. Um, but no, the truffles that we find with the dogs, they're all, they're made to be consumed by, by mammals. That's how they spread. And, um, you know, the, the mycology is the study of mushrooms and fungus. Mm-hmm. Is that also true for truffles? Yes. Yeah, is they there, fit into that category. Is there a spore or something that can truly identify? Yeah, so that's actually how we identify different species. So we have a lot of truffles here in the Pacific Northwest, and um, we identify them. So inside the truffle, that round knobby thing, inside that's where all the spores are. So mushrooms drop their spores by wind, and the truffles are underground and release these aromas so they get eaten. And then those spores travel through the animals and get deposited elsewhere. <laughs> really? It's a polite way of saying that, it. that tasty. How fun is this? I've yeah. got Kristen Rosenbaugh and the lovely Alana McGee. They're both lovely folks. Um, Alana was just speaking, so you know whose voice is whose. And uh, they are the proprietors of Truffle Dog Company and hosting the International Truffle Expo coming up November 18th and 20th. When we come back from this break, we actually have a host of truffles to smell and talk and perhaps taste. I know we've got some truffle ice cream. We're going to tell about the Truffle International Expo in Woodenville. Stick around, folks. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. Big names, big news. Sean Hannity, weekdays 3 to 6 p.m. Talk Radio 570, KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle, Somalia, Christopher Chan. Well, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio, folks. Time for round three, and uh, I guess I'm kind of thirsty and hungry because I've got 
Um, fantastic guests, Kristen Rosenbaugh and Alana McGee, who are the uh, truffle experts, proprietors of the Truffle Dog Company, and hosts of the International Truffle Expo. You brought some truffles here. Thank goodness. I mean, did you have a Brinks armored truck to bring those? Because I know <laughs> you, have a, you have like really pounds of them here. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> you do, huh? Do funny. You got someone running covert. You got sniper fire and all that. This is great. Um, truffles grow in forests, but also in vineyards. You say, right? Well, orchards. Oh, it's orchards. it's um they're specifically planted for growing of truffles. So it's not like walking out into an apple orchard and finding truffles. It's, so it's yeah. it's related to a specific style of tree or genus or yeah, species. Yeah, um, when they grow them in France or here, there's some orchards that are producing truffles in the Pacific Northwest. They're growing them on oak and uh, hazelnut trees. Wow. Okay, so Oregon's got a bunch of hazelnut trees. They have to be specifically planted for that purpose. So it's Uh, not just any hazelnut tree. They have to be inoculated. They have to be French or something. How about that? Mm -hmm. Uh, I like it. And uh, I do like truffles. I I learned to like truffles uh, at the Rainier Club with uh, Chef Morris and um, truffle oil, truffle salt, truffle ice cream. Uh, and then just shave truffles. If anyone goes to Piedmont, um, they always talk about how they just came out and with a little mandolin and shaved a bunch of this uh, weird looking thing. It's just like a, it's just a little black nugget. It kind of looks like <laughs> scat yep. without, you know, twigs and, yep. <laughs> and seeds. It in does. There. <laughs> all right. So um, truffles come in all different colors and sizes, right? And you talked about uh, several hundred varieties of truffles. Um, there are a few poisonous ones, but you didn't bring those, did you? No, we did okay, not. Okay, good, because I would ask Kevin to test those out for me. <laughs> um, but I can't do the show without him. So uh, what truffles did you bring? So we brought a variety of different things. Um, right now, we're kind of a little bit in between some of the truffle seasons. So the primary truffle season is winter time. Oh. Even here in the Northwest. So we have some awesome native truffles that grow in our Douglas fir forest here in Washington and Oregon and B.C. But it, the season started a little bit early, so we're lucky enough to have some samples of that to bring you. So we have some uh, local Washington black truffles that were just found the other day by Kristen um, and her dogs. <laughs> Kristen's dogs. <laughs> yeah, critical Chris. part of that. Who's who's got the leash here? <laughs> they just showed me where they were. Uh, that's right. Point. There you are. Start digging. I'm going to have a, so a we, milk bone. So yeah, right. So we have some uh, Washington black truffles. We've got a little bit of um, Washington white truffle, which Kristen found, which is really unusual this time of year. And then we brought um, Burgundy truffles. These are from Europe, but there are some people who are cultivating them in Washington and Oregon. And then we brought some of those very stinky Italian white truffles wow. as well. Wow. So yeah. that's, I can tell that that's the $1,000 box oh, that's right there. The, that's the pricey one. Yes. Yeah. Um, amazing. How long does it take for a truffle to develop? So general theory is it's about six-month cycle, year to six months. So they start real tiny. and like then, a spore? Yeah. Yeah, real tiny. And then they slowly get bigger and bigger. And then when the conditions are right, they kind of grow real fast. And then more conditions are right, and they start to ripen. Too and funny. then we smell them. And then we find them. Sounds like my tomato garden. It's green, green. Oh, shoot. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they all Pretty, split. Very, the, the joke is, uh, what is it? The Not, more miserable you are, the better the truffle hunting. Yeah, there's that. But it's like, don't eat me, don't eat me, don't eat me, eat me. I'm ready. I'm too late. Too late. <laughs> and then they get mushy or something, right? Yeah, there's. Uh, they have a very short shelf life. Um, so that's one of the things that... Well, I can tell these are disintegrating. Put them over here. Come <laughs> yeah. on. <now. laughs> yeah. You need to eat them within a, a couple of, of, of weeks, usually. And what's the difference? I mean, what makes them white versus black outside? Uh, different species. So okay. they're just totally different mushrooms, basically. All right. Yeah. And all truffles matter, right? Yeah, they're okay. all delicious. I like that. Well, let's pass one over okay. so I can, uh, you know, 
So get, get my my patchouli truffle patchouli so here, on. Here, your first one. Smell that. Just stick your face right in there. All right, so I got the Ziploc bag full of. Uh, <laughs> it's you know they stuff. were just found. Yeah, hold on. So. Oh wow, that's awesome, man. That's some good stuff, man. Uh, <laughs> is that an ounce, dude? <laughs> All right. Oh, this is great. I like how each of them got a little bit of shaved truffle off them, as you can see the inside. It's kind of like the uh, they look kind of like rocks, um, but it's such a very delicate skin. I mean, it's got it's kind of soft, um, and the best way to to Keep truffles once you get them or with paper, paper, uh, paper towels, right? Yeah. So you want to make sure that the moisture stays off of them. So we wrap them individually in paper towels and then place them in glass containers like this, and then stick them in the fridge. Always uh, in the fridge. Yeah, little truffle princesses or something. Yeah. Or princes. I don't know. I don't want to be uh, uh, sexist here, <laughs> as some of the, you know people are talking about that one guy. Um, anyway. Uh, White truffles. They yeah. smell different? They all smell the same? They smell different. So those ones you just smelled, the Washington blacks are kind of fruity and floral and pineapple-y. Um, I thought it smelled like popcorn to me. Maybe it's because I always <laughs> have truffled popcorn. That's the first thing I like. Oh, popcorn. So this, again, take away from this one. It's a little early for these guys, but that's a, a Washington or an Oregon white truffle. So different aromas, right? A little more gaseous. Did your dog find this one the size of a less the half the size of a thimble? Absolutely. Wow, they do have good noses. <laughs> yes, they do. Holy smokes! And how far do you have to dig? Uh, we have found some under the surface and some as deep as an arm's length. Arm's length. Gosh, that's a Straight good nose. Yeah. Holy smokes! Yeah. And so the whole point is that they're so um, aromatic and so fragrant, so that an animal finds them. And like a for what forest animal is going to eat them? A chipmunk. Yes. Really? Yes. Can we train chipmunks to find? <laughs> we could try. <laughs> but they eat them. They put them in their jowls and they run off and yep. they bury them in the ground again. They're not interested in my salami and cheese. <laughs> no, that's right. You need this reward factor. So um, this is fantastic. The truffle season for Washington State is typically mm -hmm. December? Yeah. It, so we can find the black truffles, frankly, year-round, just not necessarily in huge quantities. So we were finding a couple even in July of this year, which is unusual. Um, but... The old the old summers we had in <laughs> Seattle could be considered a winter-esque. Yeah, true. <laughs> so just, just for the black truffles, December through actually May, March and April tend to be really good black wow. truffles. Um, and then for the white truffles, it's December, January, February, March. November. So fun. November a little bit too, yeah. Oh, this is crazy. Yeah. And so you train dogs. Yes. To do this. And how many different kinds of dog can any dog do it? Absolutely any breed can truffle hunt. Oh, wow. But what what are the some that are more famous for truffle hunting truffles? Uh, they all are. There, okay. There are uh, a tremendous number of breeds out there that that are doing this work. Um, the ones that you typically see showcased are more traditional breeds based on those countries. Mm -hmm. So, for example, in Italy, you would see a Lagotto Romagnolo. Um, down in Australia, Lagotto Romagnolo. Yes. <laughs> down in Australia, you're more typically going to see Labs. Uh, over in the UK, it's um, Springers, mm -hmm. typically. Spaniels. Uh, and then here in the US, if you look at a lot of the professional teams here, you'll see a lot of the herding breeds. You'll see German Shepherds, Border Collies, Belgians, hmm. uh, and a variety of, of those type of working dogs. So right. it really is all of them. Okay. Um, you brought. Uh, you have a company called truffledog.com. Truffle Dog Company, and you train dogs so people can actually go to your website, which is? TruffleDogCompany.com. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to remember that one. Um, so fun, and it takes about six, four to six months to train a dog, $1,500 to $2,000, but you, what's the payback? 
I mean, you you truffles are are basically a hundred bucks an ounce, right, or less, hundred bucks a gram sometimes. Depending, you know, the local ones are probably thirty dollars a gram. Uh, we're f- forty-five an ounce okay. for the for the locals. All right, so great, that's a deal. Yeah, forty-five an ounce, dude. <laughs> Sweet. All right, let's check this. So, there's more. There's right. more. So we'll save the really stinky ones to not, you know, explode your nose yet. But um, these are burgundy truffles. Oh my goodness! So take a take a big whiff of those. Oh, check it out. Right? Oh yeah. <laughs> that's wow. about a pound there. That these these look like. Um, Meteorites. They got texture. They got points and stuff. And you ordered these from Burgundy? Yeah. So those are actually from Italy. Mm. Those ones are from Italy. Now, these are the ones that are really fragrant. It's, it's, uh, there's something primal to these. Mm-hmm. There's a little pheromone. This is, it's, it's, it kind of gets me euphoric. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I'm Jones of Jeffles. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Give me one. Give me one. Mm. So you can just eat them raw or you can, what do you do? Ideally what you do, they the truffles really like to have a little bit of heat. That's how they release sure. their aroma. Like a tea. Right. All right. So you don't want to overdo it. So but put one in your pocket and go through TSA. <laughs> you get all the all the dogs on you, yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Too fun. The, uh, so they, a little bit of heat, you know, they're great for infusing. So one of our favorite things to do is you put them in a container with eggs, and it'll all those fabulous aromas will go through the eggshells, and then you then scramble the eggs next morning. It seriously will permeate yeah. the eggshell. Yeah, yeah. Oh. They're great with cheeses, nuts. They bind with get to get sciency. They bind with fats. So All anything right. that has fat in it, like butter, yeah, they're great with butter. Okay, yeah. like steak. <laughs> you can take that tiny, tiny truffle that you had out earlier, and you can infuse an entire block of cheese with that. All right, yeah. we're gonna try that. Um, stick around, folks. When we come back for this break. We've got a couple really special things here. First of all, we got the the f- the famous white truffle from Italy, and we've got some truffle ice cream. And I'm speaking with Kristen Rosenbaugh and Alana McKee of the TruffleDogCompany.com. And we'll chat about the International Truffle Expo coming up uh, later this month. Stick around, folks. Be right back on 570 KVI. He's back, and he's in charge. Kirby Wilbur, live and local weekdays, 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI, want to know weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Time for our fourth and final segment. Hope you got something great in your glass or even truffles on your pasta. I'm having a, a heck of an aroma time here with Car- uh, Kristen Rosenbaugh and Alana McGee of the Truffle Dog Company. They're hosting the International Truffle Expo up in Woodenville at the Columbia Winery, November 18th and 20th. We talked about Washington truffles, both black and white. We have some burgundy truffles, which are absolutely fantastic. And that is that must be worth um, $1,000. It's probably not quite that much, but it's right. up there. Yeah, I'll give you a thousand dollars. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, the f- the fourth and final example of truffles you brought is uh, one of the most famous in the world. They are. They are. They're also the most expensive. Hmm. So, and you can smell them probably from here. Yeah. Now these um these Ooh. these kind of look like rocks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they do. It looks uh, look uh, um like a rock you'd find on the beach. Gonna hold that in. <laughs> oh wow, that is fantastic! Yeah. Now, how do they ship them to you from Italy? In a backpack or very carefully? 
<laughs> Can you airmail them? I mean, because they're so light, right? You they send them overnight. Um, they do it as fast as, as fast as they can. Yeah, it's perishable. Yeah. So um, yeah, overnight, keep them refrigerated. Okay. Keep them um, chilled. Fantastic fragrance. Very very alluring. Then that smells to me the most floral and um, uh, I don't want to use the word fruity because I don't necessarily get fruit, but there's something fresh about it. Mm. Well, they're they're very fresh. Yes. So. Yeah. All right. So we've got uh, <laughs> fantastic truffles. Now you can use these. Truffle salt is a classic dish that, that, that permeates the salt and, and lasts and works with lots of different um, vegetables and meats. And of course, I love it on popcorn as I also love truffle oil on popcorn. If you were to make your own truffle oil, how would you do it? Well, we usually recommend people make butter. As yeah, opposed oh yeah. to oil, because it's easy. just it's easier. Yeah, you don't get botulism. <laughs> right, exactly. That's the primary factor. <laughs> okay, good. So, so butter. So just you, you, honestly, take a container, put your truffle in there with it, and next to your stick of butter, leave it overnight, and you have truffle butter. Oh wow! Yeah, it's that easy. Well, let can, me get this straight. Yeah, sounds pretty comfy. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty easy. <laughs> or if you're into that whole uh, um, what is the chef's blend or crock, yeah. <laughs> you got the plastic tub. Just throw one in the middle, and it'll yeah. Yeah, just go out. Yeah. Mom, there's something wrong in there. <laughs> All right. Um, International Truffle Expo. This is fantastic. How many years has this been going on? This is our inaugural year. Okay. So we're excited. I feel you. So uh, <laughs> next week we got the International Holiday Festival at the Seattle Center. But the International Truffle Expo, and you two are the, uh, well, you have a third partner, right? Kelsey Dixon? No, it's it's just us. Okay, yeah. great. I don't know who Kelsey Dixon is. Who's known Kelsey, as Kelsey? <laughs> Kelsey is part of our PR team. Yes, she's. perfect. All right, so she's an integral part. Um, and so, who's all coming? Hopefully, everybody. Uh, we are uh, excited to have the wine enthusiasts and the foodies in the area come to attend. We're also looking to reach out to um, people who want to have that true forest to fork experience. To come hang forest out. Forest to fork. Absolutely. Um, you can go out on a truffle hunt and a mushroom forage with experts, with dogs, and then come back and watch the chef prepare your food for you. So you really get to see it harvested and then right there on your plate in an elegant dinner. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. And we've got some great uh, speakers and chefs lined up. And it's it's really going to be an experience-driven event. That's great. It's it's really what we want in Pacific Northwest because um, we can get good food everywhere, but we want something more. We want education. We want to walk the vineyard or to walk the orchard. Or um, What's the website? The website is truffleexpo.com. No way. You got that one? <laughs> you got it. I can't believe Italy didn't get that. Congratulations. My friend uh, Brian Cisneros, who does the uh, truffle, uh, excuse me, the chocolate festival, is, is does a great thing here in... Uh, the weekend prior, next weekend. Excellent. So, um, tickets are? Tickets are available on the website. They cost? Uh, they cost anywhere from $20 to $1,000, depending on the experience that you want. Oh, okay. If you want to bathe in a bunch of truffles. Yeah. Just... <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You can come and enjoy some educational talks and visit our vendors, or you can do a complete immersion into uh, a couple of dinners, the entire expo, some cooking classes, and uh, getting out into the forest with with experts and with dogs. So uh, you can you can plan your forest um, trip online. You can go on and select it, so you don't have to show up with galoshes and a rain jacket and you know dirty or gloves, right? <laughs> Correct. Okay, and it's three days: eighteenth, nineteenth, and twentieth. Correct. And it all takes place at the Columbia Winery, except for the actual forest foraging part. We do have some events at Novelty Hill Janik. Oh, okay. So it'll be between those two wineries and and the forest. Fantastic. Um, and uh, also the herb farm. 
the herb farm is it oh, uh, doing our closing dinner and it's going to be magnificent wow. all right so truffle ice cream you made this yes i'm tasting it yeah. this is this is exotic delicate and yeah. absolutely delicious it's got a little bits of chocolate um it's very light and what truffle did you use? So we used the uh, Washington black truffles that our dogs found earlier wow. this year. Yeah. So fun. Um, Kristen, Alana, thanks so much for sharing your truffles. I'm so excited for the Truffle Expo, um, November 18th and 20th. Uh, let's get you back on the show and talk more about truffles. Okay. Thanks We'd for having to. us. We'd love to. Yes, Thank you for my pleasure. Us. Wow, folks, I'm in heaven from 15-year-old bourbon and double-barrel scotch to... Uh, Perigo truffles and burgundy truffles and um, white and black truffles, oh my. Hope you had a good time on today's show. I look forward to seeing you next week on Happy Hour Radio. Remember, folks, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers! <laughs>